0: Welcome to the At the Table podcast, a production of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. On this podcast, we aim to explore how church leaders can more effectively understand and utilize the voices of young single adults in their wards and stakes. You'll hear from experienced church leaders and young single adults about best practices, inspiring stories, and encouraging methods to help us all follow Jesus Christ together. I'm Jared Pearson, and I have the pleasure to be a co-host on the At the Table podcast. I'm currently in Provo, Utah, but I was born and raised in Livermore, California, right outside San Francisco, California. I ended up serving my mission in New Hampshire, uh, the New Hampshire-Manchester Mission, and some of my favorite things are playing pickleball, tennis, or staying inside playing some board games or reading books as well, and I'm just really excited to be part of this.
1: My name is Kami Castrillon. I'm originally from Colombia. I was born and raised there, and I moved to the United States when I was 16. I moved to the big city of New York, and that's where I joined the church. And then soon after, I served my mission in Riverside, California. Then after my mission, I moved to Utah, and I've been here ever since. I love dancing, especially salsa, hiking, baking. And I am thrilled to be part of this amazing podcast at the table. I'm Kami John, and we're happy to be here at the Institute, and we're here with some phenomenal leaders, and we'll um, give you the time to introduce yourselves.
2: All right. My name is uh, Bishop Wessel. I am the Bishop of a Geographic Ward, um, uh, north of here, and uh, been the Bishop for about two and a half years.
3: I'm President Bigelow. Uh, I'm the stake president of the Riverton YSA stake. And I'm uh, President Boa, the second counselor in the stake presidency of the Riverton Young Single Adult Stake.
0: We have this new document, this Strengthening YSA that was just released in the library. And we just kind of want to go through with initial thoughts and impressions that you have or anything like that. Like, what did you think when you first saw this document or when you piloted these things in your ward?
2: Yeah, I'll uh, jump in there. Um, Just the idea that the church is thinking about young single adults and trying to come up with something to address uh, young single adult needs and their participation in the church, I thought was awesome, was amazing. Um, As I look at the church, I think it's really well organized for the youth and it's really well organized for uh, older people. Uh, But Maybe there's some opportunity there in the middle for young single adults for us as an organization uh, to... um, Meet the needs or interact with young single adults in a better way, and invite them, invite you, uh, to come in and, and, and participate uh, in this church that is ours together. And uh, so, I was really excited to see that the church was doing something there. It just in when we were
4: called to stake presidency, the general authority seventy who came made a comment. He said to the the to our stake, he said, "This is not." He said, "I want you to think about yourself as a YSA stake. You are a stake of Zion." Just like any other stake in the church, and and I and I think this document really speaks to that idea of young single adults taking the leadership roles for their stake. But uh, there's a there's a wonderful balance that can come when you have some people who have had lots of years of experience together, yoked together equally with young single adults to create some pretty spe- spectacular things. And I think that's what. I felt as I went through the document is that this is setting the stage for a great deal of growth for young single adults. So.
3: You know, it just really just got broad- broadcasted and, and put on the the tools. For me, it started, my awareness kind of started when the, uh, when him and his wife gave the fireside for young single adults. You know, at the moment I was teaching a class for uh, uh, single adults in my stake. And then they had the broadcast that came out in May where him and Sister Nelson talked. And in his beginning speech, he said, uh, they've been waiting months for this. So it'd been something that he's been inspired uh, to, to, to kind of head and to be able to address the young adults before anybody, you know, in the beginning of the year. And so he, he also gave that charge for us to take uh, to take charge of our testimonies. He gave that to the young adults first. And then he mentioned it again during conference where he says, hey, I just want to remind you the charge I gave to the young adults. And this is something that I guess I both of of the young adults is he kind of gave the young adults the charge first. And he's kind of like giving the, the the young adults the baton and saying, "Hey, here you go, you run with this, you're the one that's going to do it and so uh you know that, and I don't know if in sequence that was that was planned or not, but just his ability to to say, young adults, I'm going to give you the charge to to take charge of your testimonies and then he gives a couple principles and and teaches us about that, but just glad to be able to take this on and, and uh, apply it to to our great members of the young adults. I mean, you've kind of got our responses as leaders. How do you, young adults, feel as you kind of see the initiative of the church coming coming out with with special attention to your growth, especially in your leadership skills and your leadership abilities? I mean, how does that make you feel? You're the direct, uh, I guess, uh, the direct audience of this revelation and of this initiative. How does how does that make you feel?
1: No, I love that question. Um, and I was as you were speaking, I was trying to think of my experience in the YSA. Um, world, I guess, because I'm a convert to the church, and I was baptized when I was 17. Um, and I remember when I turned 18, I was in New York, and I didn't want to move to a YSA ward. I I wanted to stay in my my family ward. I was kind of scared, and I I, I went and visited the YSA ward there, and I just didn't feel like I belonged, you know. And then I went on my mission, moved to Utah, and um, I've been here for a few years. But um, it wasn't until recently that I that I felt like I belonged somewhere that I had that my my voice counted, you know. And I've been able to see how other um, friends of mine and I and I was in a in a Spanish YSA ward, um, and so it was great for me to see how our culture, our Hispanic culture, we're, we're being given the opportunity to lead and to learn more about how. Um, everything works in the church especially like me being a convert i didn't really know how everything worked and so when i was given the opportunity to lead i was i was given a calling and that's how i started understanding oh this is how the work how the church works this is how we do things and we um, often hear that we're going to be the future of the church we we are right now leading the church and, and i think that's that's great so Um, That's that's been my experience.
0: Honestly, I think Cammie hit it right on the head. In terms of initial reaction, it kind of goes into what you said about increasing responsibility, increasing like a rise rise to the occasion type of situation. Because oftentimes you can feel like in the church, like maybe I'm being shoved under the rug a little bit. Maybe it's not, I just need to wait, I guess. And at first, uh, I'll be honest, I probably need to repent of this, of course, but it's, I got into the YSA ward, and it's like, man, I might be in the minor leagues of church or something like Hmm. that. Man, I I can't wait to go pro or something. I don't even know what's going on. (laughs) But I was really excited to hear that the responsibilities are kind of being shifted in terms of ownership. Because with the ownership, I feel like it's more like a, oh, let's go to ward council and actually do something that matters. And just talking about, hey, let's go out and take care of our ward. It's not just their ward. It's not just, hey, I'm attending, but it's instead something that I'm going and enjoying and participating in. It's kind of changed the, the outlook of go to church rather than participate in church, lead in church, mm-hmm. um, become part of this gospel rather than just kind of being a participant.
2: You know, that's so good. Um, I love to hear that. If I, if I can add, uh, you mentioned being part of a, a young single adult ward and stake, mm-hmm. and I think those are really good and important. Um, my ward is not a young single adult ward. But, as I looked at my uh, uh membership roles, I've got forty seven young single adults in my ward that don't go to a young single adult ward or stake. We've got ten wards in our stake we've got five hundred young single adults in our stake whose whose records are with the the geographic ward or the i don't know what you would call it
1: family ward. yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the
2: that that kind of ward and and so <laughs> Um, it's really helped me to realize that, that focusing on young single adults, establishing these young single adult committees, thinking about how young single adults can participate and lead isn't something that I, as a geographic ward bishop, can think, that's not me, that's the YSA wards, that's the YSA stakes. Um, I have people on my role uh, that I'm, I'm the shepherd of uh, in a local way, um, that that uh, I need to uh, involve in, in the very ways that you described. It, it requires a, t- a team
4: effort, right, for, for a bishop of a geographic ward and then a bishop of a YSA ward to connect and say, how can we help each other? And I, I, we sat down as a presidency and looked at it, and to, to fully staff a YSA ward, you need between 90 and 120 callings filled, depending on how they staff a ward. 90 to 120 callings. There aren't that many callings to give in a in a geographic ward. So you might say, okay, wait a minute. I have some key positions that some of our young singles are serving in, but the others need callings. And we can call them to either a calling in your ward and they remain there and then they participate with activities during the week, or they come and move their records to a YSA unit and they then have a calling in a YSA unit. But we, we've, we need to increase the collaboration, I believe, between YSA leadership in, in a stake or a ward and then the residential or the geographic wards, right? In order to be able to find ways to have that happen. It's remarkable to see what happens when you sit in a ward council or a state council and you say, it, I, I think really the, the key principle is you listen first there's in in the document, "Strengthening Young Single Adults." It has a large section on the importance of listening and how to listen, and, and then to respond to what you're hearing, to not be judgmental, and to not come with a preconceived notion of what th- you think ought to happen. But when we listen to young single adults, and we say, "Okay, well, what do you, what do you want to do? It's your ward. Let's let's plan this. What how, how should we approach the members of our ward? It's not it's not young men, young women's 2.0, right? That's not what this is." And, and I think in many cases, I can speak for myself, I need to make sure I never fall into the paradigm of thinking that I'm a young men's leader or a post-mission leader, right? I mean, you, you see these young, young adults who are serving in, they're serving as branch presidents in the mission field and sister training leaders and, and zone leaders and they come home and they're ready. I mean, they're, they're ready to be, or in our stake, we have eight members of our high council that are young single adults ordained to the office of high priest called to serve on the state on the, in the high council are most, all of the bishoprics have young single adults serving as counselors in the bishopric. They are succeeding any expectation that you would have for any other member of the church. And, but it's this collaboration. I think that that really has to be strengthened.
1: President um, we know that you have been called like recently, right? You were called recently as a stake president over a YSA stake, but you've, been able to work in your ward before you were a bishop over yeah. a YSA ward. Yep. And you've kind of um, experienced this a little bit. Can you explain what you saw in like the YSAs when you kind of shared this with them or, or let them lead a little bit more?
4: Yeah, we, we were... Um, so I served for six months as a bishop prior to being called to be stake president. And we, when we were first called, we held a meeting with our ward council. We, we held an extended ward council, an expanded ward council meeting. So we brought the family home evening coordinators in and the linger-longer coordinators. And we had everybody, Relief Society, Elders corn Presidents, everyone who you would expect, and then a lot more. And, and we just said, um, what, what have you experienced in the past that has been good in a YSA ward or in any ward? And we listed them on the board. And then we said, what have, what have you felt like you hope we'll never do in this ward? Cause this is, we're creating this from scratch is what we said to them. And they list the things that they didn't want to do. And, and we, we then said, well, what's our focus and vision going to be? And as we listened to them and allowed them to create their vision, they even wrote a statement that they felt would kind of govern each organization. We then said, okay, how do we staff you? What do you need? And what budget do you need to do what you just said you wanted to do? And it started a process. Um, six months later, where there was a lot of momentum of us supporting them with what they had planned. And th- we tried things, for example, one of we were talking about what to do with a, we have 170 or so people in sacrament meeting on Sunday. Um, when you break out for Sunday school, that's some really big classes. And we decided that we needed to try something different. And one of the members of our, our ward council said, um, why don't we break everybody into like groups of eight, and we fill every classroom in this building with small Sunday school classes, and we lead a "Come Follow Me" discussion on a setting where everyone can interact and not just sit quietly in the back of a room of eighty, right? And uh, the initial response from old people like me is, "I don't think we can do that, right? Can we do that?" It's like we look at each other, and 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 we we choke down our initial response and said, "Absolutely, that's a great idea. Let's do that," and we did it. And it was extremely successful, and then it started to snowball into other things, and so it's just been really good to 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 hear the ideas, to run with the ideas, and to see the success that's happening. So,
2: I don't did I answer your question? Yeah, no, that's great. You know, President Bigelow, that re- reminds me in in my geographic ward, um, that's not necessarily connected to a YSA ward or not necessarily connected to a YSA stake. Some of the same principles worked. Um, I'd, I'd bring in the, the the young single adults and we'd sit down and we'd say, okay, what's your experience like? How can this help? And uh, there's some great ideas that, that they came up with. Um, simple things like um, I need a mentor in my life. And so we split off the young single adults as their own household in church records, which required then the elders quorum president to assign that person a ministering companionship. And then we were very, very careful to uh, uh, involve that individual involve the young single adult in the choice of that mentor slash minister. And it, it, it was different. It, was, it wasn't these two people are coming to see my parents and, oh, by the way, they asked me if I'm married yet. It was a person that I've been matched with that can help me uh, through this stage of my life. Um, I remember one young man wanted to go to a dental school, so we had a dentist in the ward. We matched him. They went to lunch once a month. Uh, he uh, helped him get into the, the dental community a little bit. And even when this uh, individual moved away and went off to grad school, they still kept in touch and that mentoring relationship continued. Um, just asking, it seems so simple, but asking uh, young adults what what may, makes
3: sense for them led to some of the best ideas. And I think that's the, the first principle that with strengthening the young single adult is listening, right? And the power of counsel and, and helping them understand the power of counsel. Because in that realm, that's where revelation comes. We're allowing these young single adults to be in positions to receive revelation, and be in that circle, and to talk, and to counsel, and to seek pondering, and seeking revelation, seeking answers, I and mean, these, are, these are principles that our Heavenly Father wants us to have, and to be able to place these young people in those positions, they're in position to help their audience, and their people, because they understand, uh, President Nelson, when he um, first became the, the president, he, he talked about, where he interviewed everyone on the, on, in the Quorum of 12, I don't think he did much interviewing, it he did, he did more listening, because he says good information gives good inspiration. And so just that 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 ability to to have the young adults counsel and to be able to listen. And I think one of the principles in there is to be able to adapt solutions, adapt, you know, come up with adaptable solutions gives you the opportunity to be able to hear Heavenly Father firsthand and not from someone else about how you can uh minister, how you can you know, place the Savior and sacred covenants at the center of your lives, how you can joyfully live the gospel of Jesus Christ, giving them the opportunity to be able to do that is is what you can kind of see. That's how, not can, can kind of see, but you can see is the mission of this, is to have them work as the Savior, work, counsel as He work, and minister as He ministered. So it's a great thing to see.
0: So going off of that, I'm hearing some First of all, wonderful things in terms of like getting people involved, implementing ideas like right off the bat. That's huge. That's huge that you're able to make that connection with everyone and kind of give them responsibilities in the ward that allow them to magnify themselves along with the callings that they're in. Were there any like apprehensions or like tiptoeing in the beginning or anything that made it kind of hard to overcome? Because I know that you have great things at the very beginning. It's really hard at the very beginning to get started. So. Maybe what were some things that you had to overcome to get to the point that you're at where you're making connections with these different people and doing all these different things in your stakes and words?
4: Can I share one small thing? And the stake presidency prior to us um, began to talk to us about some of the changes that, that we're now discussing right now and, and said, we would like you to consider releasing—I was serving as bishop at the time, like we talked— releasing your counselors and calling counselors from the young single adult ranks from the ward. And it was really interesting to watch how all of us as bishops responded to that. So I think one of the challenges that we face is, can we, can we shift our paradigm a bit? And can we trust that you don't have to have a married individual who has lots of experience, years and years of having served as bishop three times as your counselor, that that we can say, no, it's okay, I can release that counselor and call someone from the young single adult ranks. When we were, when we were first called, we, had to, to, it, we extended the call to a new bishop to replace me. And we were sitting in the, in, on the stand watching the congregation as they read the names of the new bishop and his two counselors. And, and President and I talked, we've talked about this afterwards, but I was watching everyone's faces <laughs> in the congregation. These, these members of this board that I love with all my heart. And, and they started to smile when they heard the name of the bishop. And the first counsel, their smiles got bigger, and they heard the name of the young single adult who was called as a counselor in the bishopric. And I thought they were going to scream for joy. There was an audible like shout of joy because I thought, you know what? I realized, and I told the, I told one of the bishops this. I said, I think too often a bishop may think in terms of what's best for the bishopric rather than what's best for the members of the ward. And I think we said something non-verbally to the members of the ward the moment a young single adult was sustained as you know, received the office of high priest and sustained as a counselor in a, in a bishopric or a, on, you know, member of the high council, it says, we are all equal and we all val- I value your opinion and your your input. And so I think one of the greatest challenges I've seen is this paradigm that's going to need to shift
3: and, and we're going to need to trust each other. So I don't, that's just one small thing. I don't know. President talked about the paradigm. I can kind of compare it to this, right? It's like the young single adults are like an eager sixteen-year-old with a with with the license. You're ready to roll. You're ready to roll. As a parent, you seem a little apprehensive. Like, uh, just go down the street and come back. But uh, the young single adult, they're ready to go, and you've been prepared for this. And I think the the, the shift in the paradigm is us being a, a good supportive. I guess us older uh, members, you know, uh, that that think we have all the wisdom, we don't, but us having the ability to provide that support and platform for you, to be a bouncing board for you, to support you in your calling, just as you have supported us in our callings to do that, to do the same back.
2: Our uh, concerns were a little different. Um, in the geographic ward, I, I think we had to come to a realization that the people were actually there. Um, we looked at the unit statistics and saw we have 47 young single adults. And then you can kind of start to, to divide that up. You know, we've got seven on a mission and we've got 10 that aren't really there, but just the, their parents don't want their records to get lost. And so they keep them with them. And then you've got 10 more that that may become sometimes, uh, that type of thing. Um, but we realized that there uh, is something that you can do and there are people there. We were able to get, I mean, there, there was 47 young single adults. We were able to have activities that had 10 Right. We we set up a, a young single adult Sunday school class specifically for the group uh, that they'd, they'd recommended. And, you know, we'd have uh, we'd have decent, uh, decent turnout to, uh, to that. Um, we were able to remember the individuals that were responsive and not just forget about them um, kind of under the umbrella of of their parents or other people that were there. And then uh, one other thing that, that really helps with the numbers uh, is this concept of the creation of a stake or multi-stake YSA committee. Uh, the idea that I can kind of divide out in my mind the spiritual part of it that I as a bishop and a ward provide, right? Um, I'm going to have ministers. I'm going to give you callings. We're going to talk about temple recommends, that kind of stuff. We're going to provide sacrament meeting. Divide that from the social aspect of things. Even if we got like our eight people that would show up to things together, it was a little bit awkward sometimes because you'd have a 27-year-old, you'd have a a 19-year-old and it wasn't a natural social group. But when the stake uh, uh, put together the the stake YSA committee, we just multiplied our size by 10. And so now all 10 wards can get together and say, all right, let's do a service project or let's have an activity and each ward maybe is con- contributing five or ten people that will go to that, but then you have fifty, you have a hundred, and uh, that that critical mass is is really the type of thing that can help people, I think, feel comfortable participating in activities. I've really learned the people are there. Um, it's it's really easy to overlook young single adults in a great geographic ward, but they're there, and if uh, if you if We'll listen to them and provide the right type of thing in the in the right setting with the right critical mass. Uh, we really can get them to participate and be a part of things.
1: So in my experience in um, the YSA, the Spanish YSA award, I felt that the bishopric just trusted us. It was great. And I really appreciated that. I was in the Relief Society presidency and I just felt like they were our friends and they trusted us. And I'm curious to see what you are thinking, or what are your plans as you get this new, um, I don't know if, I don't know if we should call it a program, but like this new initiative to strengthen YSAs. How how are you seeing that you can convey that trust to YSAs, that they, they can feel that they can trust you? And how are you going to collaborate with them? I
3: think that's a good question. President Paul maybe if you could share the experience with Connor and Nicole. I think that all begins, you know, with us, with, first of all, us loving them. And I I don't like using that context to say loving them, to like we're two different people. We're brothers and sisters, right? And, and just because we have age differences and stuff doesn't, doesn't separate us at all. Um, but just the ability to be able to love one another in service and and, and trying to minister and to be able to build a kingdom. And one of the ways that we've done that to be able to provide Ways for them to grow and and how we show trust in them. So we had a coordinating uh, meeting between the young single adult stake and the geographical stake in one of our areas. And so one of the wards in our stake is the River Bend Young Single Adult Ward, and we went and had a coordinating council with uh, the young single adult stake, uh, geographical stake of the Central uh, Riverton Central Stake. And so we took the two representatives from the ward, and one of them's name's Connor Nicole. And we sat there, and and they had their uh, the members of their Young Single Adult State Council come together, and just to be able to sit there it was me and state president and one of the high councilmen from the geographical stakes, we just sat there and just listened, and they just took the show, and Connor and Nicole just sat there, and they just coordinated, and they knew that uh, as they went in there, we kind of had like a, a prep meeting of saying, "Hey, you know, as an outreach program, we're here to support." Um, you know, these, uh, young single adults in the area to be able to support the keys that they're under. And so to see them at the table, just to coordinate and to, to drive action and to listen for inspiration and ask for a direction. And, and, uh, you know, the state president had mentioned, uh, you know, how many, how many, uh, young adults they had in their stake. They had, um, I think 402 that was in their stake. And these two said, uh, well, we have the manpower to come and help you minister to them. And to be able to see them and, and have them just step up to the plate like that and say, President, we're here to help you with the manpower, to be able to come and minister to those 402 so that you can know who they are in your stake. Uh, to be able to see them just rise up to the occasion, I think is a way for us to say, hey, we know that you're more than capable to do it. And we're here to support you to do that.
4: And I think the reason why this is a good example to answer your question, Cami, is that you have two members of stake presidencies, a geographic stake and then a YSA stake in this meeting with with four young single adults and the state presidency members are sitting back advi- in an advisor role. And it's the young single adults that are connecting and planning. And, th- and I think that's why it's a good example to answer your question that the-, the way that we empower and build capability in young single adults is to take a step back and to allow them to run. And it's miraculous just to watch what Connor and Nicole have done and, and what others in the stake are doing in in similar positions where they're saying, no, we can connect, we can help, we can we can run and we just step back and support them right
2: i can add to that also in a lot of ways they can support like 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 you said it's not they and us right it's yeah. it's, it's all of us it's awesome. we can support each other even in a geographic ward i can call a young single adult as a counselor in in my bishopric i can put a young single adult as an executive secretary as a relief society president or counselor uh, in the sunday school all of this and uh, it's it's, it's surprising to me that I've had to go through a paradigm shift to realize that I can do that. I, I don't know what led me to that, what experiences I had that led me to that, but uh, I love how this document reminds me, this, this push to strengthen young single adults, reminds me that everyone in my ward can contribute and participate, and we can all collaborate and counsel together in everything that we do as a board.
0: It sounds like to me, like, it's almost like throwing down a challenge to these people of like, rise up and become who we know you are. It's not necessarily saying we're going to slowly take off the training wheels. We're like, no, your counsel, you got to figure it out too. I love that. I mean,
2: wasn't that how the beginning of the church was, right? Joseph Smith, the original quorum of the 12 apostles was young, right? All the church leadership was young, single adults or young adults at the, at the very beginning, They could do it. You can too.
1: Even sending missionaries out, I feel like sometimes I'm like, Heavenly Father trusts his single or single not his young adults to go out and teach and bring people onto Christ, and and it's it's remarkable to me to see how many are so willing to go out. So like, I feel like He trusts His younger generation so much, and somehow um, it's great to see that the leaders of the church have started to trust us as well that much, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's also like something that occurs to me is there there are a lot of learning curves here as well. And I liked what you said before about you take an advisor role when you step back though. It's not leaving them necessarily completely to their advices. You're you're definitely stepping back and letting them make decisions, but you're not going to say, well, we're just going to leave you alone in this room and whatever comes out, we're going to accept. Jared,
2: can I flip that on you a little bit? Um, I've noticed in the geographic ward that it's important for me to allow the young single adults to be advisors to me. Um, at the very beginning, when we were kind of pushing some things, I I called this wonderfully energetic, experienced old married couple to kind of get things going. And they were so faithful and wonderful and had a lot of energy And uh, did things that made sense to them and was uh, from their memory and their experience. Um, uh, Some of the things, when we brought that to the young single adults, uh, their advice to us was different. It was, well, that's a good idea, but we would do it this way. And uh, just having a a young single adult on a ward council uh, to be able to say, yeah, you, you, you all think we should do it this way. But let me explain to you how uh, what I'm experiencing and how I'm I'm seeing the world. I've really appreciated the advisory role that the young single adults have played in uh, in my calling as a geographic ward bishop. Can I can I add to to what you said, Bishop?
4: And I think Jared, this idea of an advisor also can apply to to this this principle, and that is that it is not our role to come up with the direction or strategy for a ward the the first presidency of the church and core the twelve apostles clearly have stated where we're headed right we don't need to we don't need to decide that our level of of effort needs to come on the implementation level right we get to to, to, talk, to talk about how are we going to invite all of the people in our stake and in our wards to engage in the work of salvation and exaltation how are we going to help them to stay on the covenant path and it's, it's more the how questions that we can answer than it is the what or where questions. Those those are clear in, in the scriptures and in handbooks and from prophets, seers, and revelators. So if we can advise to the extent that we can say, yeah, that's very much in line with where the first presidency would have us go. I, I think we have to be careful that we don't say that what we're trying to do is just... Turn the reins over, and there are no rules anymore, and you can, anything goes. We still, we still have clear direction from those who lead us, and and I think that's where a, a, a President Boha or a President Bigelow or a Bishop Wessel can come in, where we can say, look, let's run, let's run as fast as we can, and if at any point the happened last night in our presidency meeting our stake executive secretary we we asked uh, we were talking about how bishops often tend to spend a lot of their time with those who have new changes their things are really going well they want to go on missions they want to go to the temple or those who are really struggling and they're trying to overcome addictions and difficulty and there seems to be an invisible middle that gets forgotten sometimes because the bishops so busy with the front top end and back end and, and we were talking about well, who has a responsibility for the invisible middle and our 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 state executive secretary said, well, that's the elders quorum and the Relief society's role. And he just chimed in. And I thought that's exactly correct. There are times when a young single adult's going to say, Hey, let's stay in the, ba- stay in the lines. Like here, the, the church has given us some guidelines. Let's stay in this. So we don't get outside of it. Um, and then there are other times when a priesthood leader who, who is a bishop or a state president may say, it's a great idea, but that's taking us a little afoot from where we ought to be going. So it goes both ways. The advisory role I think, can can fit there, too.
3: Yeah. You know, just to add on to that, Jared, I think this initiative is not new. If you look at the Lord's pattern from the very beginning, it's always been this pattern— to be able to use whoever's ready, it doesn't really matter what age they are, just as long as they're ready and they're prepared to receive his instructions. From earlier prophets, as we learned in the in the Come Follow Me, so it's always his pattern. So I, I guess what I'm saying is like this is not something that's, you know trying to re, like to, to innovate or, or bring up. It's a pattern of the Lord that we're just trying to align a little bit more with what his patterns have been. We're just trying to just get just a little to dial in just a little bit more and and and. The instruction that's given out gives us the opportunity to be able to dial in a little bit more to be able to have the Joseph Smith experiences with these young people the the, uh, the uh, you know the David and Goliaths those young leaders that we're able to lead we're just we're just the Lord's just helping us to be able to dial in a little bit more and to know your potential and your ability and it's powerful. And, uh, so I guess it's not, it's not a new concept or anything. And, and I don't, I guess I don't wish to, to say, oh, this is something new. We, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's something the Lord's been doing for a long time. He's just trying to help us Latter-day Saints to dial in just a little bit more.
1: We're so grateful for all the insights that you're giving. And it sounds like you, you get it. You, you want to work with YSAs and you get them and you want to get them, um, and see and, and understand how they work and, 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 you want to um, give them the opportunity to lead, um, but we're wondering to if that is not the case with a bishop or a stake presidency. If if there's a YSA person who is ready to to serve to lead and he wants to or she wants to, and and the leaders, the, the bishop or or stake president, is not getting that. What would you tell that YSA? How can they go about doing that? Like. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, my response would be, you know, qu- quite simple, not not very deep or anything. But President Uchdorfer said to, to live where you stand uh, for the moment. As a state presidency, I know we're doing our best. To be able to help our bishops see the vision and catch the initiative and teach them and help them and, and help them in this paradigm, we're, we're doing our best to do to do that. I mean, I mean, that's. Just, I guess what I'm saying is we're trying. We're doing our best, and we're moving as fast as we can. Uh, we've been calling the state president about four weeks now. We a we called an emergency bishopric uh, council meeting that's happening tomorrow because this thing needs to go out right now. And so we're, we're trying to hurry as fast as we can to have our bishops see the vision, to know the initiatives, to know the importance and, and to be able to, to to get on the, you know let's go, let's get on this train. And so we're doing our best to be able to do that. Um, you know, to speak to a young, if I were to speak to myself as a young, to Halt, you know, being in your seats, I'd be, hey, lift, through, lift where you stand and, and the Lord's development will, will come in his way and, and how he wants you to serve and and how he wants you to develop. Uh, he might not catch it this first wave, but you know, the next couple of waves, he'll probably catch you. But I can assure you as, as leaders like us, we're doing our best to be able to spread the fire, to be able to, to spread the heat and, and to be able to get that out there.
2: You know, if uh, if a young adult came to me and said, Bishop, I want to sit down with you and talk to you for a second. I mean, we have any, we try to have annual interviews. I, I, I love the ones that I get to have with young single adults. But if one of them came in and said, Bishop, I'd like to do more, I would fall out of my chair. I, I would <laughs> love that. I'd say, yes, absolutely. Let's do more. What ideas do you have? Um, I I know God inspires uh, and is part of uh, callings and award uh, I've seen that. I've felt that. Um, uh, honestly, Im- information and having other people available to, uh, uh, volunteer for things and feel like they want to do things. Uh, that really helps too. Some, sometimes we need to get a job done and we need to get a position f- filled. And, uh, the inspiration is more like background radiation than, uh, uh di- a, a direct, uh, a directive to go a certain direction. So I'd, I'd say to that, that young adult, make an appointment with your bishop, sit down and just talk. And I am certain uh, that you'll be able to come up with a direction, something uh, that that you can do that will help you feel more uh, participatory and and needed in the Word. Cammie, can I offer something too? I feel bad because here we're talking about how we should
4: listen to young single adults and we're doing all the talking all these old people, right? We need to be asking you questions and listening. But um, a scripture came to mind um, in Mosiah 22, it, this is the part of the Book of Mormon where King Limhi's people are in bondage, and he and Ammon are counseling with the people on how to how to get out of in fact, it says they are counseling on how they should deliver themselves out of bondage. That's verse one, right and And they talk about it and they don't come up with any ideas. And then Gideon comes up, and I would compare Gideon to a young single adult that's maybe in this situation, right? I don't know what to do. Should I say something? Should I not say something? And I think this is an important principle here in verse 3 in chapter 22 of Mosiah. Gideon says this, Now, O king, thou hast hitherto hearkened unto my words many times. Right? We have a relationship. Like, Bishop, if someone came to you that you knew, and he said, Bishop, you you know me. I was a young man for many years in this ward. There's a relationship there. And then he says this in verse four, and now, O king, if thou hast not found me to be an unprofitable servant, right? Like I'm not completely clueless. Um, or if thou hast hitherto listened to my words to any degree and they have been of service unto thee, even so I desire that thou wouldst listen to my words at this time. And that's what you're talking about, right? To be able to come in and say, uh, can I share some thoughts? If that priesthood leader bishop or state president is resistant and not as open as you are, I think the answer is found in this verse, you need to have shown that you are a profitable servant. And so that's where I think what you're saying comes into play, President, where you lift where you stand, that the more you faithfully do what you've been asked to do and you serve, go serve in the temple or or serve in the calling that you've been given, make sure you do your ministering and show up in meetings and serve the Lord, um, it will work out. And, And that experience of having shown that Gideon was a profitable servant, allowed him to then say, You know, behold the back pass through the back wall on the back side of the city. And, and he came up with a plan. And, and I don't know that Gideon was a young adult, but I think the principle holds true here that you can go and talk and share your ideas. And, and if someone's resistant, it's okay in time. We have to trust the Lord's timing,
0: right? It'll happen. I guess what I'm hearing right now is. Don't go in there just demanding change like you need to do this right now because that's that's never going to go over well. Who likes being told what to do, especially if it's like, well, I don't think that's how it should be done. Yeah, But it's more like lift where you stand. See if you can grow, not necessarily all at once, but just start doing a little bit more. Ask them how I can help, how we can keep on going together, how we can keep on, I guess, pushing the work forward together. And let me show you that I am trustworthy. Yeah. And that's why I'm hearing from all of you in a sense of ask what you can do and then keep moving forward. And even if it's small, um, it actually brings back a story. Um, this one man, when I was on my mission in New England, decided that I want the bishop to trust me. It was a weird relationship, a lot of history, stuff from the past, like grandpa's journal stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how can I like have you trust me, bishop? And he's like, well, this building needs to be cleaned. He came in every Monday night and would mop the floor of the gym and vacuum all the pews. And he did that for years. And the bishop, eventually, he just told him like, I can't believe you actually did this. I thought it was like some other family that was vacuuming, but he learned it was him and everything just changed. I'm hearing the same kind of principle of let it be something that you do small things and let them trust you and giving them a reason to trust you and then move forward from there. Uh, did I misinterpret anything? That's, that's or? well said,
4: Jared. Well said. And what you're saying, I think it's really profound. What you just shared because that applies, that applies to us in our role as we interact with stake presence of geographic stakes, and as as they then and and we interact with bishops of geographic wards. We want to have a trusting relationship, just like you described between a, an individual and their bishop. That it's not. It should never feel like a territorial. YSA stake against a geographic stake or award against award or young adults against old married adults, right? That, that, that's divisive. If we think about fourth Nephi, one of the results of the visit of Jesus Christ to the people was that there were no um, poor among them. We could say it that way. That's out of, out of the appropriate price, but this idea of there were no more ites, right? They didn't identify as Nephites and Lamanites. There was a, there were one, I think that's, that's the end result we want to have is that we all love God. We all serve him and we're all children of God. And our age really is irrelevant that we serve together. And I I think what you said is profound and it applies to us just as much as anyone else.
2: You know, there may be some, uh, geographic word bishops listening to this, hopefully. And, uh, that same type of thing might happen in the relationship between a bishop and a stake president, um, Uh, I remember going to the stake president saying, I just feel so strongly. I've just found out I have 47 young single adults in my ward. What can we do, president? Can we put this together and this together and this together and this together? And I I offered him some suggestions. And at that time, the answer was, no, we're not going to do that in our stake. And uh, he saw things that I didn't see and had some understanding of other wards that I didn't see at that time. And so uh, uh, all of the principles um, that President Bigelow just taught and that we talked through, I think, apply in the relationship between a bishop and a stake president, that uh, let me do all I can in my ward then. Let me communicate clearly with my stake president. And then uh, I'm sure God's hand is in it and uh, things will work out. And uh, when the time is right and when the vision is there, the person that uh, gets to make that decision and has been called to make that decision will and we'll be able to move forward. And since then, our stake has done some wonderful things. Um, at that time, a few years ago, when I when we first talked about this, it just wasn't right.
1: Um, I have a question. Um, we we've talked about how listening is very important, right? And when we listen, we we receive revelation. And I'm wondering, what are some inspired questions that US leaders have had? Or have asked to your YSAs, or that you may want to ask us as YSAs that can help you see how, or can help you move forward with with this initiative.
2: I'd want to know what. How do I say this? So I have a real a favorite scripture in Second Nephi. Um, it says that God speaks to us in our language according to our understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, uh, I don't know if I can give this away, I'm 40 years old. So I'm, I'm like the the grandpa millennial. And so I kind of can see two generations here and kind of stand in two divides and, and kind of look to those that are a little older than me and understand their language a little bit and look to those that are younger than me and understand their language a little bit. And uh, they're different. <laughs> they, they really are. One speaking French and one speaking English. They're both talking about the gospel. <laughs> But uh, they're, they're speaking different languages, so I, I guess I'd ask, how can we better speak the language of young single adults? And and, and I'm thinking about like what we say and what we do and the uh, the way we interact, etc. Um, one little one I got already was uh, I had a young adult remind me that I don't need to ask about who you're dating and when you're getting married every time we interact, um, and. It, it's just something easy to ask, you know what I mean? And, and I didn't mean to focus on that so much, yeah. but uh, that, that little reminder that I need to broaden and realize that this person has, has more facets um, has, has been really important to me. So I, I guess I'd ask you, how can we speak your language better?
1: Do <laughs> you want to go first, Jared?
0: That That's a difficult question because yeah. I think everyone hears something very different when people are talking. I think, It's actually a really interesting point what you said about like who you dating like when you're getting married, that being like it's a conversation starter. It's how I see it. But also I can see how it it can lead to, well, of course they're asking that. Of course, I'm the YSA award and that's the question, you know? And I'll I'll be the first to admit that was my first interaction with the YSA Award was someone asked me, So who are you dating? And are you planning on getting married in the next couple of years? And it's like, okay. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is the conversation starts to look beyond necessarily just like saying the same thing that we've heard a thousand times and looking to the person and saying like, what interests you? And maybe even saying like, Hey, how's it going? How's your week been? And then take something from that week and then use it. And that is a lot more meaningful because you can tell that someone's listening. I think that's a really interesting thing with the whole listening concept that Cammy brought up earlier is how do you know someone's listening? It's by them demonstrating that they have heard you. They demonstrate that they remember and they demonstrate that they care to know. And those three things allow you to understand someone and listen beyond just saying, I'm hearing you and then looking at your phone two seconds later. That's so good.
2: I want to do that. Thank you for that. Can I answer your question, Cammy? I think...
0: I think that the question that I ask is the same
4: question I would ask anyone, regardless of age or where they would be, right? If it's the first time I've met them, I might say, tell me your story. Tell me about yourself. And then expect that they might say, and tell me about yourself. And we would get to know each other. And, And oftentimes the question is, what did you learn that's really good today? Teach me what you've been learning. Because I want to learn from everyone that I meet, right? It's, I don't think we need to treat people different. And I think that by, by treating them different, we create separations. It might be, if I know, if I know Jared, that you're going to school, I don't know. Are you going to school right now? Yeah. What are you studying? I'm studying information systems. Information I know nothing about information systems. I have lots of questions I can ask you about information systems. And I think there's something that happens. I felt this when, when I travel for work or for whatever reason, when you go to a foreign country, if you love them, you eat their food and speak their language right and uh, why not ask them about their food and their language so to speak i'm not, I'm not saying literally say what's your yeah. favorite food but i guess you could do that mm-hmm. but there's something about just treating people like people and and just connecting on a meaningful level i remember a recent experience i had with one of the members of our stake and i asked him how he was doing he says really good and i said hey what are you what are you learning lately and he said, i've been listening to a couple podcasts and he taught me about what he's been learning. I started listening to the same podcasts. So I was really interested in what he was teaching. And next time I saw him, I'm like, hey, I listened to the episode four. I don't know what episode it was. And I said, that was amazing. I've never thought about it, it was a come follow me podcast. And, and I said, I've never thought about what he shared. And he's like, yeah, we connect on a friend level because we're friends. And, and I think that's a, a critical piece when we talk to each other, um, I agree that we need to understand that we don't speak the same language. There's a reality you face that I never faced when I was your age. Um, But that difference doesn't need to distance us. I I think that the more we see that we share more than we have, if we have more in common than we have separating us, then it creates a a real unity and a power. President Nelson made a statement in in general conference, in, in this last general conference where he talked about in the coming days, we would see some of God's greatest manifestations. And uh, I think that's, that's what he, did he say it? exactly like that? I had to read it. I apologize. I don't have it memorized yet. I had to memorize it. But I think these miraculous manifestations, part of them are because of this paradigm shift with young single adults. We feel like that we're going to see some miraculous things happen in our stake. Why? Because we talk to the young adults of our state and we see how excited they are to make things happen. We're going to see miracles. We know we are. And uh, that comes from united efforts and just trusting people. So I think the question you ask is how was your day and what are you learning? And we've this, this whole idea about dating and I, I, I think that divides people. And it it points out the difference that they're not married, and the person asking the question is. We should avoid questions that focus on differences, and and focus on questions that that maybe identify similarities. And it creates greater unity when we do that. So it's something we've tried to do in our stake. So.
1: Bishop asked the question of like, "How do we speak your language?" And again, I go back to my personal experience with the bishopric. Um, I just saw them as real people. Like they were not just at church on Sunday or just um, standing in a corner when we had FHE. They were right there with us, <laughs> dancing, cooking, playing games. They were our friends and they were trying, like it was genuine. You could see that they wanted to get to know us, not just by asking questions, but just interacting with us dancing the music that we dance to or playing the games that we play or just like really trying not to become YSAs or anything, but they really wanted to understand where we're coming from and the the world that we live in or the things that we're experiencing out there, the the struggles that, that are real um, that YSAs are struggling with. Um, and so I would just say, maybe sometimes just, you there, you know, interact with them. You don't really need to ask questions. Sometimes if we see you like that, we're like, I feel comfortable asking him about his experience or, uh, for advice, because I am seeing you as a real person that really cares for us.
0: So how have you seen kind of them shift as well? Not just you as leaders, but them shift. And what are the things that have allowed them to shift in your words and stakes?
4: I just try to think about what, what, for me personally, builds trust. Like, when I trust someone, what is it that they've done that allows me to trust them? And, and for me, it's been a couple of things. One is that I know they really do care about me, that they genuinely do care about me, and that I see it in the way they look at me. I mean, right now, Jared, you're, you're not distracted, right? You're, there's something about the way you're even sitting that tells me that you're listening. And those things matter, when we, when we look, when you are the most important person on the earth right now, nothing's going to distract me. That builds trust in, in, in a relationship. And so my feeling is that if that's what does it for me, I would imagine it does it for you. And so I just need to be present. When, when a young adult texts me, it's present, I've got a question. I text back right away. Um, sometimes I'm in a meeting and I don't. So the, as soon as I get out of the meeting, I I've, I've felt like that if I can respond immediately, that communicates that I care. And so that's maybe one small aspect of, of what I think may build trust. It does it for me. So,
3: um, I think, you know, for me, uh, tr- trust is kind of a segment of, of having an influence on someone, right? Someone has a high trust factor and you you have a really good influence on someone. So when I think about having that trust, there's a few things for me that kind of contribute to building that trust. Number one is having a connection with that person, being able to listen to them, being able to be empathetic with them, uh, being able to just just to also check yourself to come from a place of love, care, and, and concern. And when you can build that connection, that's one segment of it. I think another part of building trust is having character. Knowing that the principles of the gospel guide your life and is the center of your life, they can look at you and say, yeah, that's someone I can trust. And then being competent, being saying, hey, I can go... To bishop with a question because i know he's he's he, he's sound and he because he's competent he's, he's able to give me counsel so having those three segments can help both uh, you know build trust in terms of the relationship one of the most important things is also that we instill confidence in the young single adults as they take on these roles of leadership and continue to develop and evolve and and ways that we can do that as leaders is to, one to to provide clarity to, to be really clear about, hey, this is this is the vision, and this is what the Lord wants, and and this is the mission, and, and this is how we implement it, and also to once we give clarity is to be able to provide the support, right, being there with you, right beside you. What do you need? How do you need it? When do you need it? Do you need me to grab the broom? Whatever, provide the support that that our young single adults can will, will succeed and can't lose. And then following the necessary feedback that's needed to continue to get better and grow. And so uh, I think it's kind of two, two-way for me to be able to establish trust and also give confidence by being that support system for them.
2: President Pujolsky, I love that, that uh, uh, we're there. Um, we, we give them the support they need, the help they meet, need, the two-way trust. I, I I can't help but thinking in a in a geographic ward, if I'm gonna trust a young single adult as the relief study president, right? If I if I'm gonna do that, um, it goes back to something President Bigelow said just a little bit ago, that it's the same if it's a young single adult or if it's Sister Smith down the street that's been in the ward for 40 years. A- am I um clearly communicating what the calling is? Am I providing support to uh uh fulfill that calling? Um, do they have the uh, the resources and all the things that they need and am I there to help am I following up um, it really isn't any different with with a young single adult than it is with anyone um it kind of goes back to to really what I see is is one of the main principles of our conversation today is if you're married or not if you're old or young it doesn't matter we're all part of the ward we're all part of the the body of Christ as Paul uh talks about it we all have different uh, talents that that we can use and and work together and uh it's it's in a lot of ways i f- i feel it on me as a bishop uh, to remember that, that that segment of the ward the young single adults is as much a member of the ward as uh, everyone else is i think as as i act that way um hopefully the, the trust will grow with the the young single adults and really anyone in the ward
1: well, thank you so much for all of your insights. Um, I know that I've learned a lot from you because I am a YSA that looks up to her leaders and I'm grateful to see that you are also very excited to work with us and to let us lead and to just be a part of, of who we are and just listen to us. Um, I want to invite you to just give a word of encouragement for all the YSA leaders out there And also, the geographical leaders that are working with YSAs, just the leaders, what would you tell them to encourage them as we go through this new initiative or this initiative?
2: I'd probably say start in your unit statistics um, in, in the app, if you have that, and get your list of all young single adults. Let it sink in how many of them are on your your church records, right? Th- those are people that you have ecclesiastical responsibility for. And then call or visit every single one of them. Um, it, it might seem like a difficult, daunting task. It might seem like searching for a diamond uh, uh, in, a, in a, a, a large mine or something <laughs> like that. But you'll find it. Uh, you really will find two, three, four, five, ten uh, young adults that have been overlooked in some way and go talk to them. Right. That, that that conversation, that initial step, I think goes a really long way.
3: Um, I guess the encouragement that I could give is, you know, to be excited, right? And uh I and to kind of catch the vision of what President Nelson and and the revelations that the brethren have given us and to be able to catch that fire. I refer back to Nephi's experience and the reason why he was driven well, it was because he sought the Lord to understand what his dad was saying. You know, his brothers came to him on one occurrence. and says, hey, what is dad talking about? And I'm paraphrasing. You know, hey, what is dad talking about? And he's like, have you inquired of the Lord? Right? And they're probably thinking, they're like, why is this guy so excited? And it's because he did inquire of the Lord and say, Lord, help me to see what my dad's seeing. Help me to feel that. And the Lord will, will, will give you the encouragement and the excitement and the revelation to the keys that are needed to be able to move the right direction at the right p- p- uh, pace to call the right people. So, uh, you know... Uh, for me, just be encouraged just to be able to catch the vision. And and just like uh, Nephi, inquire of the Lord to see what, what the prophet was what, what saying, what, what he sees. And that's why he was able to do what he was able to do. He was able to go three times to find the plates. He was able to go to the wilderness twice, go back. He was able to uh, to withstand the things on the boat is because he had that understanding. Because we are going to feel those waves of resistance and uh, acclamation, and those growing pains, I guess you could say. But just like Nephi... What preserved him was he was able to see what the prophet was able to see. So let's catch the vision. I think, I think often in life, I felt like the little lad with
4: five loaves and two fish, right? like not enough to feed the whole congregation that's there. But God can do something with those five loaves and two fish, the miraculous things. And I think it's, it's important for us to, to remember that this is not our work. It's, it's His it's our Father in Heaven's work, and, and uh, we do it as we focus on Jesus Christ and His example for us. And in Doctrine and Covenants section 123, we read this, and it is also an imperative duty that we owe to all the rising generation and to all the pure in heart. Um, you know, brethren, that a very large ship is benefited very much by a very small helm, you know, five loaves and two fish. And then this last verse. Therefore, dearly beloved brethren and sisters, I would add, right, um, let us cheerily do all things that lie in our power, and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for His arm to be revealed. And that's what will happen. If we'll just give our five loaves and two fish, uh, miraculous things will happen. Our our, our minuscule offering, our little might Uh, that we put in, whatever it is that we have will be magnified and and God will do miraculous things. So I would just say, do all you can and, and stand still and see the salvation of God.